Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Christmas Eve certainly creates some excitement in the air. Uh, But let's not forget we're just three days removed from the official start of the winter season, which begins on December the 21st, the shortest day of the year. Of course, to be more accurate, it's not actually the shortest day of the year. It's still 24 hours long, but it is the day when we enjoy the least amount of sunlight. And so we are currently in the midst of the darkest time of the year, the darkest time of the year. And for no small number of people, that can produce physical and psychological symptoms of a condition known as seasonal affective disorder. Some of these symptoms can include feelings of depression and anxiety, changes in sleeping habits and eating habits, uh, tendencies to oversleep and to experience more intense cravings for certain kinds of foods. It can also lead to feelings of sluggishness and low energy levels as well as an inability to focus and concentrate. Now all of these symptoms could be due to a drop in a brain chemical called serotonin and to due to decreased exposure to light. But no one is exactly sure. But what does seem to be the case is that we need light in order to thrive. We need light in order to thrive because we wither in darkness. And this is true spiritually as well. We need spiritual light to flourish spiritually. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we see in the scriptures frequent references to light and our need for spiritual light and the hope of finding light in the darkness. And we read there also the good news that the light of God's grace dispels our spiritual darkness. And so one of the places we read about this in scripture, this light in the darkness, is in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2. So just those two verses tonight as we meditate on the scriptures on this Christmas Eve. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open them to Isaiah chapter 9. Again, we're just going to be looking at verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 9. If you didn't bring a Bible with you tonight, that's okay. The text will be displayed on the screens, but you also should be able to find a paperback Bible underneath one of the chairs in front of you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 can be found on page 331 of those paperback Bibles. And we try to make this known from time to time that we have tons of those paperback Bibles. So if you don't own a Bible, if you're here tonight and don't own a Bible, please take that paperback Bible home with you. We have plenty of them. We would love to offer that to you tonight as a Christmas gift. So please take that Bible with you. But we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9, just verses 1 and 2 this evening. So hear now the word of God. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Well, reflecting upon these verses and how they connect to Christmas, let's notice three things in these verses. And the first thing we can notice is a gloomy reality, the darkness of our world. Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament who was sent by God with a message to the northern area 
of Israel in order to bring a message to them around 750 years before the birth of Jesus. 750 years before the time of Jesus. And much of the first half of Isaiah's book, which consists of 66 chapters, most of the first half of that book is taken up with this issue of the coming of God's judgment upon the nations because of their sinfulness. It's an announcement of judgment upon the nations for a good portion of the first half of the book of Isaiah, and that includes judgment upon the Israelites themselves because they also had been sinful and rebellious against the Lord. In fact, the verses just prior to the verses that we read, the beginning of Isaiah 9, are taken up with this vision that Isaiah has of coming judgment upon the Israelite. The last verse of chapter 8 reads this way, in verse 22. Isaiah is prophetically announcing these words to the Israelites, and he says, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Now, this prophecy of Isaiah actually comes to pass in the year 722 B.C. when the ruthless army of the Assyrians descended upon the Israelites and took them captive and into exile. So Isaiah is looking forward to this in this verse, but this comes to fulfillment in the year 722, and this would usher in a season of darkness and a gloomy reality for Israel. But isn't it true that on some level, all of us can relate to this gloom and darkness that we find in the world and in our own lives. This can be a very dark world, not just with the darkness of the winter season, but with spiritual darkness. This is a a place where we find and experience spiritual darkness, and many would sense that darkness during this time. They would describe this very time in which we're living as a dark kind of a time. With a pandemic, it doesn't seem to to go away. People are continuing to get sick, hospitalized, and dying from COVID. And while this is going on, let's not forget that people are still dying from cancer and other kinds of illnesses. These things haven't stopped happening. Just other things heaped on top of that now. Nationally, we seem to have lost trust in our national leaders. Some people have even lost trust in the integrity of our voting system as a nation. Some people have begun to doubt the integrity of law enforcement. There's the increase of violent crimes around us. I don't know if some of you have watched the news, but people are just gathering in groups and breaking into stores and just stealing stuff, just robbing people. We live in a time where there's a great deal of division and rage over politics, race, sexuality, gender, the environment, science, vaccinations. There's an increase of homicides happening on our interstates. It's not just people dying from car accidents on our interstates. People are getting shot with increasing frequency on our interstates. And so it's not surprising to learn that depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts are at extremely high rates. There's a darkness a spiritual darkness around us and within us. Who wishes to deny that? It's why Kate DiCamillo, who wrote a wonderful children's story called The Tale of Despero, which actually deals frequently with themes of light and darkness, she prefaces her book with these words, the world 
is dark and light is precious. This darkness is why Brian Williams, who was a television broadcaster for MSNBC who recently retired, he resigned, uh, or retired rather, by saying these words, my biggest worry is for my country. I believe in this place, but the darkness on the edge of town has spread to roads, highways, and neighborhoods. It's dark. That's why one of our Christmas hymns for a long time has said, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. The Bible does not ignore or deny the gloom and the darkness that you sense in this world. The Bible does not dismiss that, ignore it, or deny it. In fact, the Bible affirms it as real. It's not fake. It's not invented. What you sense with darkness is true and it's real. And while the Bible can be painfully honest about the gloomy reality of the darkness of the world, it doesn't leave us there. And Isaiah doesn't leave us there. Notice that Isaiah points us to a gracious promise, the coming of the light. When we read the end of Isaiah 8, you might have noticed, but probably you didn't, that gloom is mentioned once and darkness twice at the end of Isaiah 8. And gloom is mentioned once and darkness is mentioned twice at the beginning of Isaiah 9. But in contrast to the anticipated gloom of anguish that will descend upon the Israelites because of their sin and rebellion against the Lord, Isaiah looks forward in verse 1 of chapter 9 to a time where there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. There's this reversal that is happening. Isaiah mentions specifically the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which were two tribes of Israel in the northern territory of the promised land in a region known as Galilee. You can see Naphtali is up here, Zebulun is here. It's referred to Galilee because of the Sea of Galilee here in this northern region. The Sea of Galilee being beyond or north of the Jordan. This line connecting the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee is the Jordan River. And so beyond the Jordan, this is where this prophecy is centered. This is where Capernaum is actually located. It's not indicated on the map. This was the home base of Jesus through most of his ministry in Galilee. Isaiah refers to this as Galilee of the nations or Galilee of the Gentiles because this area here was also home to an important trade route that connected Damascus up here in the north, which was not a part of Israel, to Egypt in the south. And so this area had a lot of foreign travelers that would occupy it as well. And so Isaiah refers to it as Galilee of the nations. But the Assyrian army would also have come into this region to attack it from the north. And so these tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali would have been some of the first to be exiled and captured by the invading army. But Isaiah announces a gracious promise to these very people. Those who would likely have been first to have been captured and taken into exile are now the first to hear this gracious promise of the coming of the light. Here again the words from Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Isaiah is speaking prophetically, looking forward to a time when this darkness would be replaced with the coming of the light. In the midst of their darkness, deep darkness, a light would shine. There is hope held out to a people who are dwelling 
in darkness. But don't forget that the people dwelling in this region deserve this darkness because of judgment. They deserve this darkness as a form of judgment because they were guilty of sinning and rebelling against the Lord. And that's what makes this a gracious promise. Their sins have deserved to plunge them into darkness, but God in his grace is announcing light instead of darkness upon these people. It's what makes it gracious. Remember what we heard in this very pulpit just a couple weeks ago from Pastor Bob. What is grace? Grace is getting the best when you deserve the worst. And the best is to receive this promise of the coming of the light. And that's what they here anticipated with the words of Isaiah. But what Isaiah foresees as future, the New Testament, specifically the Gospel of Matthew, records as fulfilled, as we see a glorious fulfillment, the appearing of the Messiah. Listen to what Matthew writes in his Gospel, chapter 4, verses 12 through 17. Now when Jesus heard that John, this is a reference to John the Baptist, had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The light that Isaiah was anticipating is Jesus. It's fulfilled in Jesus. And this is made even clearer when we consider what follows in Isaiah chapter 9. We just read the first two verses, but by the time we get to verse 6 of Isaiah 9, we encounter these very familiar words. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This coming of the light is fulfilled in the appearing of Jesus the Messiah. And so there's really something appropriate about all of these lights that we see at Christmas time. The strings of lights that we see on trees and on houses. These lights that we see behind us in the sanctuary, the lighting of Advent candles, this candlelight service that we're enjoying tonight. There's something appropriate about it because it should all serve to remind us of this truth that unto us a child has been born. Jesus, who is the light of the world and who is our light in the darkness. Yes, the world is dark, but light has come into our world. And the good news is that this light is stronger than the darkness of our world. This life is stronger than death. His truth is stronger than falsehood. His love is stronger than hatred. His hope is stronger than fear. And notice that Jesus begins to preach at this time, Matthew tells us. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He announces the arrival of this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is a kingdom of light, and he establishes this kingdom through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of light that he establishes is stronger than all the kingdoms of the world. 
and all of the darkness that we see in all of the kingdoms of the world. His light is stronger. But even better than that, we can all participate in that kingdom. We can all be citizens of that kingdom of heaven, that kingdom of light, by acknowledging Jesus to be the king and to be our savior. So maybe you're here tonight and you've never done that. That you don't know Jesus as your king or as your savior, but put your trust in him. Look to him by faith. Believe in him. Give him your heart and your life and discover that his light is stronger than the darkness of your sin, stronger than the darkness of your guilt and your shame and your fear and your loss and your grief and your pain and your woundedness and your addiction. Trust in Jesus and know that his light dispels your darkness. I trust that many of you are here tonight and you have looked to Jesus as your king and as your savior. And if that is the case, then be a reflection of and a witness to his kingdom and to his light. If we're citizens of that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus who is the light of the world, let us be reflections of that light because it's far too easy to just continue to spread darkness with our hatred, our anger, our grumbling, our complaining, our envy, our bitterness, our meanness, our self-absorption, our pride, our arrogance, our gossip. Instead, let the light of Jesus shine forth from your heart in love and in grace and in truth. Jesus has ushered in this kingdom of light with his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we participate in that kingdom of light by faith. So let's bear witness to that. He has ushered in that kingdom of light at his first advent. And so we read in John chapter one that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That light still shines even in the midst of a dark world. But that light has not yet completely eliminated the darkness. The darkness around us and within us is still real. That light has not been extinguished by the dark, but that light has not eliminated the darkness yet. But it will. When Jesus comes again at his second advent, that darkness will be completely dispelled. And the words of Revelation Chapter 22, verse 5. Some of the last words in the Bible. Revelation 22 is the last chapter in the Bible. And verse 5 says this. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. <laughs> the fullness of the kingdom of light is coming. As surely as this season of winter darkness will be followed by the increasing light of spring. The fullness of the kingdom of light will come. It will arrive. You know, I've noticed that in the springtime that you'll hear birds singing while it's still dark out. Pay attention in the springtime. When birds are chirping, you'll hear that they begin to sing even while it's still dark out. And it's because they know that light is coming. And we can sing. We can sing tonight. We can sing all of these songs tonight in the midst of the darkest season of the year. We can sing because we know that the light of the world, Jesus, has come. 
and he's coming again. And so we're going to sing one last song to Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus who is our light in darkness. We're gonna sing one last song to the Son of God, love's pure light. But before we do that, let's pray. Great God in heaven, thank you for not abandoning us to the darkness of a fallen world, a darkness that we have all contributed to with our own sinfulness. Thank you for stepping into our darkness when you were born into this world. Thank you, Jesus, for descending deeper into a darkness that we cannot fully imagine, the darkness of the cross and the darkness of being separated from the Father. And because you did that, we are reconciled to you and we need never face the darkness alone. But we have the assurance that you are with us in the darkness, with the light of your word, with your love, your grace, your truth, and your peace. And as we gather around this sanctuary in just a moment and light these candles, impress upon our hearts this truth, that you alone are the light of the world. And when these candles are extinguished, as we leave this place, let us remember that your light dwells in our hearts by faith that we might shine your love, your grace, and your truth in a dark world. Grant us grace and power to do that, not simply during this season, but grant us grace to do that at all times, for your glory and for the exaltation of Jesus, the light of the world, our King and Savior, born to us in Bethlehem. Amen.